Good afternoon. This is Dr. Dan Guerra, and you're listening to Authentic Biochemistry Podcast. Today is 30 August 2023. This is Chapter 6 of our Biomedical Portrait Number 2, which generally is describing bioenergetics relative to diseases between men and women. So differences between men and women, diseases that are linked to intermediary metabolism, yielding ultimately energy. And we're going to be involved in a lot of lipid metabolism for a while, but we're going to get back to carbohydrates as well. Um, we did carbohydrates recently, and um, we're going to be going back and forth for those two carbon sources. And then I hope to be able to finish it with discussing uh, lean body mass and the utilization of amino acids as a differential between men and women, because there's, there's literature in that as well. And then we'll move on. All right. so. Women have a higher percent body fat, but they have less visceral white adipose tissue. Now, that's called VWAT. However, to supplant that, they have more subcutaneous adipose tissue. That's SCWAT, white adipose tissue. And that occurs in females in the abdomen and the gluteofemoral regions. Now, we talked last time about BMI, and you know this has a mass-to-height ratio equivalency. And I have a lot of problems with that as an indicator of obesity. But body mass index, BMI, has been used to predict overall mortality relative to fat distribution. but that distribution itself is not measured by BMI. It's considered to be an indirect uh, component of that calculation. So true body fat distribution in men versus women, because men and women store fat in different parts of the body, probably is a slightly better predictor of metabolic health, especially as we age. So to give some examples, a low subcutaneous white adipose tissue is a favorable factor, but high visceral white adipose tissue is an unfavorable factor. Uh, and that's because of the relationship of where that lipid is deposited and how it alters lipid and glucose homeostasis, particularly at the hormonal level and the regulation of lipoprotein metabolism. So the gluteofemoral fat, that's the female associated, might be protective against diabetes, particularly type 2, obviously, and then overall morbidity and maybe mortality. And that suggests that compartmentalization of free fatty acids in low subcutaneous white adipose tissue could prevent abdominal obesity and associated metabolic diseases like T2D um, and all of the spectrum and constellation diseases associated with obesity, like cardiovascular disease and cancer. So they talk about body regional differentiation of fatty acid metabolism, particularly free fatty acid metabolism, because of lipolysis. And so even when you look at that distribution I just mentioned, 
It does not explain why there is a sex-specific white adipose tissue distribution in human population. So we don't know what the mechanisms are that really engage that process for that deposition, but it's clearly there between men and women. Okay. So I want to mention something about why I don't like BMI. So I'm just going to explain something about muscle mass. So muscle mass is going to have a component of intramyocellular triacylglycerol, which is a healthy component of muscle. The muscle is also going to have as a component protein and water and whatever glycogen is stored in the muscle. Now, I want to inform you, and again, I've said this many times over the um, years, I guess I should say, but when you store carbohydrate in form of glycogen, that is a, a, a product isolated because of hydration. So you need water of hydration to store and to utilize protein and carbohydrate. Whereas water is not a component of the additional mass added when you store lipid because lipid doesn't um, dissolve in aqueous. So whenever you put on more lean body mass, which is basically the water component plus whatever the muscle is composed of. And I, as I just said, that's going to be protein and some glycogen. You're not going to get any of excess water when you're storing triacylglycerol in the form of the IMTG. Okay? So if you take a 175-pound man and you look at his total body water, about 100 pounds of that is going to be water. And only about 35, 36 pounds is going to be what's known as dream, dream, dry, lean body mass. Okay. So body mass index as a measure of body fat, which they base on height and weight, as you know, that it tries to apply to adult men and women is really not a very good indicator. Think about a person who works out a lot and builds up a lot of muscle tissue, particularly when they're younger. They're going to have a lot of water of hydration associated with that muscle mass. So their body mass index could well suggest, because of their overall weight, because of all the weight of water, and water adds a lot to body mass, as you just learned, could put them in an overweight or an obese category when they're clearly not obese because they have very little fat, right? But remember, they're storing a lot of excess water. People who work out a lot and have a lot of muscle mass because it's required. Okay. So that, that so BMI is not something I've ever, once that came on the scene, I looked at that particular, um, index and i determine right away that it's not going to really work to describe health i mean obviously if a person is grossly overweight or grossly obese they're going to have a high bmi sure but it doesn't mean that a high bmi means that they are obese or overweight 
for the reasons I just suggested. Okay. All right. There's more to it that, than that, but that's enough for me to, um, you know, to, to make my point, I think. Now, under basal post-absorptive conditions, free fatty acid flux, which comes from lipolysis, is similar between men and women. But the upper body subcutaneous white adipose tissue is typically more lipolytically active than the lower body subcutaneous white, white adipose tissue. And that also is conserved in men and women. Now, the non-oxidative free fatty acid clearance through reesterification, these would be oxygen esters now primarily, is much higher than women than it is in men. So women will redistribute fatty acids after lipolysis, whereas in men, fatty acid hydrolysis from, say, off of a triacylglycerol is usually run through beta oxidation. So that now tells you a lot about alterations in mitochondrial metabolism in men versus women. Okay, because you know that complex lipid synthesis occurs in the mitochondria, endoplasmic reticulum, Golgi apparatus, peroxisome, and the plasma membrane. Right, so it means that rather than going through complex exchange of fatty acids amongst different lipid molecular species, which seems to occur in women, and that might be associated with that distribution of fat in women as compared to men, men tend to utilize the fatty acid after hydrolysis, after um, lipolysis in beta oxidation. So they burn it. And we know that already because of the utilization of fatty acids in men versus women, okay? Because of the basal metabolic rates. So this is a really important, very strong differential between men and women, okay? The utilization of depot fat, storage fat. We are oligenous organisms. We store depot fat for long periods of fasting and starvation because our metabolism evolved as hunter-gatherers where you would hunt and gather food, consume it, and then hunt and gather but maybe not get a similar meal every day. In fact, certainly not until agriculture was invented. Agriculture was only invented um, roughly 10,000 to 12,000 years ago in human evolution. The Homo sapiens has been around at least 220,000 years. So the amount of evolutionary selection pressure for a regular meal every day has not had any input on metabolic regulation. Metabolic regulation has evolved early on in human evolution, has been set up for having sporadic meals and a heavy dose of calories. And that heavy dose of calories have to be stored. And we do not store a great deal of storage glycogen, right? So, and one of the reasons is we can't convert fatty acid to carbohydrate, right? We don't have that pathway. We don't have the glyoxylate pathway. 
um, mammals don't, most animals don't. And so that means that we store fat as a reserve of carbon for the long periods of time between meals. Okay. So that's why we're called oleaginous organisms, meaning we store fat. And another very efficient aspect of that, fatty acids give you a great deal more ATP than does glucose or amino acids. And we know this, right? So we get more energy equivalent for each molecule of palmitic acid utilized to make NADH and FADH2 than each molecule of glucose driving the same mechanisms to generate ATP, either via glycolysis or even running through pyruvate dehydrogenase in the TCA cycle. Okay? So that's a very important point. We're going to be storing fat. And so, again, men are less sensitive to what is known as the anti-lipolytic effects of insulin. So insulin induces fatty acid synthesis. Insulin induces cholesterologenesis and storage because insulin is secreted from the pancreas after a meal. So insulin is the hormone of the well-fed state. So insulin is there to convert protein and carbohydrate to triacylglycerol, to store in the adipose. Right? So that means that when insulin is secreted, it is anti-lipolytic meaning that you're not hydrolyzing fatty acids off triacylglycerol stored. At the same time, the body is synthesizing triacylglycerol, because right? that would be a futile cycle. So that what I'm trying to say is the release of postprandial free fatty acids from the upper body subcutaneous white adipose tissue is less suppressed so that means it's slightly insulin resistant in men. That's why men are less sensitive to, this is the terminology that's used, to the anti-lipolytic effects of insulin. Because men continue to utilize fatty acids for energy. That's the point, right? And the free fatty acid release in men is coming from the visceral white adipose tissue, right? So, the pattern of lipolysis is consistent with a higher proportion of visceral white adipose tissue that's found in men, right? Remember, visceral is around the middle, okay, of the man, right? Whereas it's distributed in, uh, disproportionately, um, differentially and disproportionately throughout the female body. In men, adipose is usually around the middle of the body. The visceral fat. So after a meal, systemic free fatty acid flux via lipolysis, like hormone-sensitive lipase, lipoprotein lipase, right, is more suppressed by the insulin that's secreted from the pancreas, the basal of the pancreas, in women. That could suggest that women have a higher risk of gaining fat mass because of this uh, suppression effect of insulin. You understand? 
So because of that contribution of the visceral white adipose tissue lipolysis to hepatic free fatty acid delivery, usually via serum albumin, is great. it's going to be greater in women. They are going to be more susceptible to hepatic insulin resistance. Now, hepatic insulin resistance is a very complex topic. I've covered it. We did a great deal of discussion of lipid metabolism just about a year and a half ago. I can find those lectures or you can find them for yourself just by using the keywords hepatic insulin resistance. The reason it's complex is because the liver doesn't require insulin for glucose uptake. But insulin is still utilized for glucose uptake. But the mechanism involved is a direct result associated with triacylglycerol metabolism and the production of apolipoproteins and the trafficking of lipoproteins from the liver. Okay, so you can see just from that, those two phrases or, or sentence that there's a great deal more of complexity there that I'm not going to get into on these lectures. Okay? But you understand. So these sweeping generalizations have under, underlying much more discrete, complex biochemical phenomena. Now, more. Sex and depot fat-specific differences are clear for lipid metabolism in humans. Again, women have a higher percent body fat and lower muscle mass and oxidize less lipid than men. Women also have less visceral white adipose tissue, as I just said, but more subcutaneous white adipose tissue. And that occurs both in the abdominal and then the gluteofemoral regions than in men. The release of postprandial free fatty acids from that upper body subcutaneous white adipose tissue is less suppressed by insulin in men. And the free fatty acid release from the visceral white adipose tissue is less suppressed in women. So, women display higher direct free fatty acid uptake, for example, in leg subcutaneous white adipose tissue than men. This is a feature that occurs in women versus men. This is not directly related to. What am I going to say? <laughs> Estrogen versus testosterone, right? The steroid hormones, the female versus male hormones. So this is part of the whole aggregate I wanted to get into with this discussion. We do have XX versus XY chromosomes in female versus male population. This is clear. And there's a great deal of differentiation about male and female metabolism that is linked to that. And we've discussed it and we'll discuss it more. But the entire repertoire of biochemical systems in the body are not all directly dependent upon steroidogenesis. So this comes down to the selection process that men versus women have had in their biochemical regulation. Okay. 
And that's what I'm trying to get at. All this discussion of just storing depot fat has a tremendous effect on the physiology of men versus women. Okay, that's the key feature, not just where the fat is distributed. And this cannot be separated out. So you, you, there's, there's no significantly simple way to describe how this occurs, only that we can describe it does occur, occur okay, in terms of the visceral fat versus the subcutaneous, equally distributed throughout the body fat, white adipose tissue in men versus women. We can describe it, but the details around how that evolved in humans and in primates in general, we don't have that information because we're just now understanding the regulation of lipid metabolism in animals. Yes, even though we've been studying it for you know at least 60 years at the molecular level, we don't have a clear understanding of all of the permutations involved in not only storage lipid, which is the simplest aspect of it, yet absolutely front and center in terms of bioenergetics in humans, but also the entire endomembranous system and how it functions and all the complexity of the lipids you find in specific membranes that are indeed necessary for normal health. Okay. So again, you have a sex difference in what could be called the geography of lipid metabolism. And simply put, you can look at subcutaneous white adipose tissue versus visceral white adipose tissue. That's the simplest way to look at it. Now, the higher muscle mass in males is obviously going to be linked to the efficient beta oxidation of free fatty acids due to the intramyocellular triacylglycerol utilization. Remember, a healthy skeletal muscle has an enrichment of lipid droplets, which is triacylglycerol surrounded by this perilipin-associated membrane. So the membrane has phospholipids and phospholipids and sphingolipids. It also has proteins called perilipins. Okay, all right. And that then allows the utilization, the pollicis, in the skeletal muscle contraction sequences. And men are more efficient in that, far more efficient in that, because they store a great deal more of that IMTG. Okay. So the pollicis and weight loss are accelerated when insulin levels drop. And that's because of glucagon being secreted from the pancreas. And one of the aspects of glucagon, of course, is glycogen breakdown. Right? So glycogen phosphorylases turn on the liver. But also, it, glucagon is involved in the hormone-sensitive lipase activity in the adipose, releasing free fatty acid from, for example, the visceral WAT to be sent then to the liver for the production of ketone bodies, but also energy to drive gluconeogenesis because you can't use the carbon for the fatty acid, but the bioenergetics gluconeogenesis does come from fatty acid oxidation. You understand? Insulin resistance. Okay. Remember that insulin stimulates lipogenesis. 
So insulin resistance involves multiple levels of intermediary metabolic regulation, such as, such as endocytosis of the insulin receptor, proteolysis of the insulin response factor. These are all the kinase reactions. It's right after insulin binds to the, the tyrosine kinase, which is the insulin receptor. So proteolysis of the IRF, the ubiquitin pathway. The inhibition of the endosomal transport of glucose transporters is also involved in insulin resistance, and that's due to a very complex membrane lipid compositional alteration which is due, particularly in an obese population, to dyslipidemia, which can also link directly, as you recall, to inflammation, which triggers alterations in glucose utilization via glycolytic shutdown in immune cells and endothelial cells undergoing an inflammatory response. Yeah. That's why I like to emphasize a lot about the immune response, because so I can remind you of it. Now, Although most lipid absorption in human white adipose tissue is mediated via hydrolysis of circulating triacylglycerol via the LPLs, lipoprotein lipases, we also know that LPL-independent free fatty acid uptake may contribute to lipid storage in humans. And that's associated with the old-fashioned CD36 orphan receptor. I call it old-fashioned because it used to just be called an orphan receptor. Now we call it a fatty acid receptor, CD36, okay? And not just fatty acid, but lipids in general. Remember, that's involved also with caveole. In the caveole, where you get a lot of lipid transfer from extracellular to intracellular. This includes cholesterol, sphingolipids, phospholipids, as well as triacylglycerol and free fatty acid. Now, a greater percentage of meal-free fatty acid is stored primarily by the lipoprotein lipase-dependent pathway, and that occurs in the upper SCWAT, subcutaneous white adipose tissue, than in lower subcutaneous WAP in both men and women. Now, we covered that already, but a greater percentage of dietary-free fatty acids is stored in subcutaneous white adipose in women than in men. That's why there's more total lipid deposition in women than men. Because men tend to store free fatty acids only in the visceral white adipose. Now, testosterone treatment does increase the percentage of free fatty acids stored in subcutaneous white adipose. But it decreases free fatty acid storage in the visceral white adipose tissue. And this has been determined via testosterone treatment in middle-aged men. Okay. Now, does this get does this remain a sustained event? No. It's only when testosterone is given a treatment like a six-week, eight-week study that you see this. Once that study starts to wind down, that fatty acid storage accumulation no longer is facilitated by the testosterone treatment. Okay. So obviously, there's a whole lot going on there, androgen receptor and everything downstream from that processing. So basal free fatty acid uptake and expression levels of free fatty acid transporters, such as the FABPs, those are the fatty acid binding proteins, 
are higher in upper subcutaneous white adipose tissue than in the lower subcutaneous white adipose tissue. Now that's in men, but not in women. That's again why men do not store a lot of fat in this lower region, subcutaneous WAT. Right. You understand that now, okay? Women have a higher free fatty acid uptake, for example, in the leg subcutaneous WAT, and that correlates with greater postprandial lipoprotein lipase activity in women. There is yet another different differential between men and women. Higher postprandial white adipose tissue lipoprotein lipase activity in women. Okay. Furthermore, women have the highest rate of triacylglycerol synthesis in their subcutaneous white adipose compared to their visceral or any white adipose tissue depot fat in men. Okay. So you have lipoprotein lipase activity. You now have to include as a distinction between male and female bioenergetic equivalents at the level of biochemical significantly biochemical phenomena significantly altering bioenergetics and lipid homeostasis in men versus women. Okay. Now about ready to switch to some sphingolipid discussion, but I have to check my time. Oh my gosh, okay, we're done. Okay. Uh, next lecture, we'll talk about sphingolipid metabolism. Dr. Dan Guerra, Authentic Biochemistry Podcast, 30 August 2023. Hope you enjoy this. Uh, bye for now.